You're listening to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland Podcast. Now, your weekly message from Pastor Tim McLaughlin. Hello, this is Pastor Tim McLaughlin, Executive Director of Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland, and just want to welcome you and thank you again for listening to our podcast. I hope you're getting something out of it. I would love to hear from anybody out there that listens to these on a regular basis, so you can shoot me an email at tim at teenchallengeuc.org. Uh, find us on Facebook and, and send us a comment on Facebook. Just uh, just want to know that you're listening. Hope you're enjoying it and um, hope we're being a blessing to you. I want to talk to you uh, over the next couple of weeks about uh, something that it's actually the very first sermon that I ever ministered on back in 2001, the very first sermon I ever preached. And um, since then, God has given me so much information, so much revelation on this topic, and I believe it's uh, something we really, really need to discuss. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. And if you don't have your Bible, uh, or you're driving down the road, like I always say, just uh, you just keep driving, I'll do the reading, and... Um, Hope you can follow along and hope you can retain. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Father, I pray that you'd be with me and help me, Lord, to clearly speak the things that you'd have me to speak. And Lord, be with each and every one that's listening to these podcasts. Give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord would say to them that they would gain wisdom and knowledge from it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the title of this uh, series of messages I want to share with you is Don't Give Satan the Satisfaction. Don't Give Satan the Satisfaction. So 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I want to spend some time discussing some things that I've noticed in the church body that really... I believe, are detrimental to us living the victorious life that Christ has intended for us to live. The Apostle Paul is warning us in 2 Corinthians that we should, one, not be ignorant of his devices. Um, we, We should not be unaware of the things that are going on around us. In order to not be ignorant, we need to make ourselves aware of. Uh, Most of us are very familiar with the passage of Scripture found in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. So let's first spend some time in this Scripture and analyze exactly what it is that Jesus is saying in John 10, 10. Uh, The thief we know is the devil or Satan. So who is Satan? Well, Isaiah 14, verse 11 through 13 says, Your pomp is brought down to Sheol, and the sound of your stringed instruments. The maggot is spread under you, and worms cover you. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of the God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. The name Lucifer is literally translated day star. 
Before he was cast out of heaven, he was Lucifer, the beautiful cherub of heaven. Ezekiel 28, verse 12 through 19 says, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you in the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore I cast you as profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore I brought fire from the midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall no more forever. So we can see from these passages that Lucifer, or Satan, in which he is now called, or the devil, as many of us know him, was a beautiful cherub who walked in the heavens with God until his pride caused him to rise up against God and try to take over the kingdom of heaven. He was created and tried to take over as the creator, but he was cast down out of heaven, and those who followed with him they are a whore and they are despised. We can read in the exploits and the lies of all humanity from the beginning of human creation. We understand that the Word of God says much about this Lucifer, this, this devil, this Satan that we call him. Uh, we know that, again, his name is called Lucifer in Isaiah fourteen twelve. We know that he was in the Garden of Eden, according to Ezekiel twenty eight thirteen. He was an anointed cherub, according to Ezekiel 28.14. He was adorned with precious stones, according to Ezekiel 28.13. He possessed great musical ability. He was the perfection of wisdom and beauty. He fell because of pride, and he attempted to steal, according to Isaiah 14.13. He wanted to be like God, according to Isaiah 14.14. And we also know, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, and 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, that he possesses great intelligence. We know that according to Matthew 4, 6, he possesses memory. According to 2 Timothy 2, 26, he possesses a will. And in Luke 22, 31, he possesses pride. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, he possesses wrath. And in 1 Timothy 4.1, he possesses great organizational ability. So you're probably thinking to yourself, man, I tuned in to listen to a podcast about Satan. No, we're spending time discussing this because I want to go back to our opening scripture that says, I would not have you to be ignorant. 
So in order to not be ignorant, we must have knowledge of who our adversary is. As we said, John 10.10 tells us that the enemy has come to destroy us. So the best way not to be destroyed is to know who your enemy is. But the most important thing we need to know is that we are already victorious over Satan because of Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.15 says, Of Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. If we take these two scriptures and we know that we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, and we know that Jesus came to give us abundant life, then why do we struggle so much? Because most of us, or dare I say all of us, still do not know all of the enemy's devices. One of Satan's devices is to get people off into the extreme in the area of spiritual warfare so that we become unfruitful in the kingdom of God. As I mentioned earlier, this is one of the biggest issues facing the church today. The greatest enemy that has robbed the Christian is wrong thinking and wrong believing. This is what opens the door to the devil. Wrong thinking and wrong believing eventually leads to wrong actions. We need to know what the Word of God says on any subject and think and believe and act in line with God's Word. Let me say that again. We need to know what the Word of God says on any subject and think and believe and act in line with God's Word. Jesus already fought the devil and won. We are to take our stand on the Word against this defeated foe. I want to encourage you, saints. It's important that you read your Bible. It is important that you understand these scriptures. I'm not saying that you're going to memorize everything. I'm not saying that you're going to know everything there is to know on every topic. But the greater you become familiar with your word, the greater asset you're going to be to the kingdom of God. And the better you're going to be and not being drawn because you're ignorant of his devices. Many believers tend to think that because we sing the song, I'm in the Lord's army, that we are a fighting force. Let me explain. God has already won the war. We're just supposed to occupy until he returns. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. And I believe this is where many Christians and even many ministers get off track. Let's look at this. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. As we read the Scripture, look at the wording. It says, In the power of His might, not your power. Stand, not fight. And then he says, be able to withstand. It's important, again, that we understand these scriptures. To be able to withstand means not to battle or not to war with. And lastly, being watchful to this end. We are to look out for our thoughts and for others until the Lord returns. We are not called to fight because the fight is the Lord's, but we are called to occupy. I often think of Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and I think about this base that we have down there in Cuba, and Marines stand guard over that base 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. But a shot has not been fired on that base in probably 50 years. Because the reality is this, when we went down there and we defeated that foe, now those Marines occupy. They're not there to fight. They're there to occupy just in case something, some rogue was to, to spring up. See, we're, we're not at war. The, the, the devil's already been defeated. Jesus already defeated the enemy. When a war in the natural breaks out, we send our top forces and defeat the enemy that has caused the conflict. But after that enemy has been defeated, we maintain forces, usually at some kind of base or something like Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And then we, we just occupy that force, but we're not there to fight. We're just there to stand firm. In the supernatural, Jesus has already defeated the enemy and we are to occupy until he returns. Our job is not to fight, but to stand and to pray. When we pray and stand on the word of God, then the enemy can only throw darts, but none of them will by any means harm us. My point and focus is that we are not at war against the devil. Because he is defeated, we are at war against our thoughts and our actions. Let me repeat that. We are not at war against the devil. We are at war against our thoughts and our actions. Let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 to you, and I want to read it out of the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. It says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. The Apostle Paul is not referring to a battle of demonic forces. He is admonishing us as believers to take control of our thoughts and our imaginations so that they can prevent the devil's lies from getting into the strongholds of our minds. You see, saints, the devil can't get into a believer unless the door is open. An uncontrolled mind and wrong thinking have as much to do with opening the door to the devil as wrong believing 
and wrong talking do. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 16 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. In other words, if you're angry with someone and refuse to forgive you, give that person, you will get bitter. If you are self-seeking and only looking out for what you want instead of what others are will help others, and you obey God's word, then you will lie to get your way. These are the things that open the door to the devil and lead to the oppression. We'll talk more about oppression later, but, but I want you to understand that. I think of it this way. Think of a, a Rottweiler or a, a Bull Mastiff. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I had a neighbor that had a, a huge Doverman Pinscher that lived right across the street from us. Now, this dog, this Doverman Pinscher per se, was behind a, a, a wrought iron gate. The gate was probably about five foot, t- or the fence was about five foot tall all the way around the yard, and it only had one entrance and one exit point, and that was the gate. And that gate was always hinged and always locked. So I could walk around the outside of that gate and that dog could bark and slobber and do all those things, but it couldn't hurt me because it, it wasn't tall enough. It couldn't jump over the fence. It, it was um, secluded into this yard that the owner had put it in. The only way that that dog could hurt me is if I opened the gate to let him out. See, the enemy has been defeated. Jesus, when he was on the the cross, said, it is finished. The enemy knew that he was defeated because Jesus came up out of the tomb on the third day. The enemy knew he had lost. The enemy has lost his, his, his power unless we open the gate and give it to him. And we open the gate by incorrect thinking. We open the gate when we don't understand the word of God. We open the gate to the demonic when we we become oppressed by the lies that are fed to us. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. The reason I named this Don't Give Satan the Satisfaction is because we often give him credit for things that we bring on ourselves. The most important thing you need to remember is is that the words you sow will determine the harvest you reap. Let me say that again. The words that you sow will determine the harvest that you reap. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Wrong thinking, wrong believing, and wrong speaking are ways that believers knowingly or unknowingly open the door to the devil in their lives. I know people that it seems like they're always sick. When you hear them speak, they speak about sickness. You may not always feel good in your fleshly body, but according to God's word in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, Therefore do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. When we speak, we need to speak from our spirit man. I have seen people go down uh, in front 
of the church to receive healing in their body. They will dance a jig back to their seat, and then, then when you ask them about it later, their words destroy the anointing. I remember a young lady one time that um, had a great job, and she just really honestly just got lazy and got tired of working, and she wanted to file for disability. And she had some health issues. She was a little overweight, and she had some arthritis, but she could do the job that she had. It was a sit-down job. But she started filing for that disability, and I kept telling her, we need to pray and believe God for healing. But she didn't want to receive it because she she wanted that disability check. And so she applied for the disability the first time and, and got turned down. And so she reapplied the second time. And while she was waiting for it to come back, we had an evangelist come to our church and she went down to have this evangelist pray for her and he he laid hands on her and she was slain in the spirit and she got up and she was dancing and and jumping around and moving like I'd never seen her move and and uh church went on and after the service I met her at the back door and she looked at me she said Pastor Tim did you see what God did I said honey I saw she goes I'm healed in Jesus name I said you are I said that means you don't have to worry about that disability instantly her countenance changed And she said, I need that disability, Pastor Tim. That woman died not too long ago because of her words that contradicted what God did. It was not the devil. It was what she believed about herself and what she confessed. Many believers allow the lust of their flesh to run rampant and uncontrolled. Many Christians who have fallen into sin blame it on the devil But they never would have sinned if they had taken charge over their own mind and their own flesh. They claim Satan caused them to sin, but the truth is that Satan found an open door through which he could get into their lives. They were either thinking wrong thoughts or they weren't crucifying the flesh. Much of what believers blame on the devil is the result of their own lack of sanctification and separation from the world sanctification. Now there's a churchy word for you, but really what it means is the crucifying of the flesh. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Back in 1998, when I cried out to God and asked him to deliver me, God completely took it away. But during this time of crying and and praying, I asked the Lord why he hadn't done it before. And the Lord told me, he said, because I had not died to self. I wanted God to fix a problem that I wasn't willing to give to him completely. I wanted God to, to take certain areas of my addiction, but not the addiction as a whole. When I gave it all to the Lord, when I threw away my old music, I threw away my old movies, I threw away old uh, pictures of the life that I used to live, when I completely died to self, I surrendered all to Christ. God delivered me. I was crucified with Christ, and it was no longer I who lived, but it was Christ that lived in me. That's where sanctification begins. Then we need to have separation from the world. Separation is the renewing of the mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, bad things happen 
We live in a fallen, non-perfect world. If you want the devil to quit tormenting your life, quit giving him credit for everything that does not go your way in life. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Instead, we give credit to Satan and come up with some religious saying like, Boy, I must have done something good if Satan is after me. Yes, he would love to have us all, but we need to understand that we are victorious in Christ. We do not need to give the devil credit for anything good or bad in our lives. We need to understand that when we are standing on God's word, we are standing on God's grace. That is the provision God has given to each of us that protects us against the onslaught the enemy tries to set about against us. It is only your faith in God and His Word that will enable you to successfully stand against the devil. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. In other words, don't be a baby in faith and just give up when something comes against you. Stand against the enemy. Stand against your problems. Stand on the Word of God and the promises of God. Satan will tempt us, no doubt. He will put you in adverse situations and circumstances. But you must stand your ground firmly fixed on the Word of God and let your thoughts and words agree with His Word. Philippians 1.27 says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or are absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in the Spirit, with one mind striving together for faith of the gospel. Brothers and sisters in Christ, believers of God, stand strong against the enemy by being in one spirit and not allowing division and strife, even in the face of differences. We as believers need to learn to stand fast in one spirit if we're going to maintain a strong defense against the wicked one. If you are standing fast in one spirit, you can disagree without being disagreeable. We need to walk in love. Close the door to the enemy. When you walk in the spirit and you walk in love, many issues you thought were important won't seem so important anymore. We can't allow little issues to divide us. We need to be one in Christ and stand fast in one spirit. Isaiah fifty four seventeen says, No weapon formed against us shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. I want to address this again some more next week, but I want you to understand we need to crucify our flesh. We need to study our word. We need to pray. Spend time with God and pray in the Spirit. Don't give the devil the satisfaction. He is defeated, but we are victorious. Father, thank you again for this wonderful day, and I pray that you bless each and every one that's been listening. And Lord, if there's by chance one that's heard this message that don't know you as Lord and Savior, may they cry out to you today and ask you for the free gift of salvation. Friends, I love you. I thank you again for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon. God bless, and have a great week. 
Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about this ministry or consider supporting, visit us at teenchallengeuc.org.